where everything is plausible until proven otherwise. I'm Circa. And I'm Sinead. Um, <sighs> again, slightly sounding like you're talking from a paper bag. <laughs> they won't let me out of the bucket, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in a bucket. <laughs> oh, it brings a whole new uh, meaning to crabs in a bucket. Yes, we are still in quarantine using Discord because our lovely bunker is still with the tape around it and the people in the hazmat suits. Yeah, um, and I I probably should have mentioned that we have two episodes that we recorded in the bunker before lockdown, uh, and we have no idea when we're going to be getting those episodes, so there's a lot of them, you know, there's going to be like aspects of time travel in this, and that would, (laughs) you know, we do, we're coming to you from the past. Uh, That's going to be like our own crackpot theory about crackpot theories that uh, we're secretly time travelers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well this episode's going to be really interesting because this is uh, another toddler TV special. We haven't done one of those in a while yet. It's Panta Pandy and the Panta Pandy incident. (laughs) Yeah, we we had to give it a bit of a wide berth after the Panta Pandy incident. I'm actually very looking forward to this episode because I have heard these theories before and they are absolutely amazing and I can't wait to discuss them. Okay, so our first theory is going to be about the show Jake and the Neverland Pirates. But yeah, you see, there was a point in time when I was working with children when Jake and the Neverland Pirates was a huge thing and... Um, like it was their favorite show and they wanted to watch it all the time and it drove me insane because first of all it's disney and i don't like their toddler shows anyway because they're all very kind of pandery i always find them whenever i've seen them that they've been very rubbery in their animation it's kind of yeah that's it their animation it almost seems like it's got a few too many steps Kind of thing. Yeah. It's like um, there there was an animator that used to work on the likes of um the Pink Panther and um, he worked on some other things. Oh, do you know what he worked on? He worked on the uh, Raggedy Ann and Andy film. That was terrifying. I remember seeing that that it had way too many frames a second. Yeah, see, was... um, for listeners, the usual frame rate for animation is that you do twenty four drawings per second. Uh, this guy did something like forty eight or fifty six. Which is way too many. Yeah, it, it's, it's like if you want perfectly smooth animation, you go with sixty frames per second. But that's usually for like video game animations and stuff like that. If you're doing cartoons, that too many would make it look almost hyper realistic and uncanny. While you want that little bit of delay in a smear frame to make it flow an awful lot better. We did animation in college. Yeah, both of us did, so so we know these things. Also, like, he wanted to make this film, like, this is supposed to be his, uh, sort of, um, his, uh, what's the word for, like, your ultimate work? You know, magnum opus. Magnum opus, thank you. Um, my brain went dead there for a little while. This is, uh, it was based on the Arabian Nights, and it was called, um, The Thief and the Cobbler, and he spent 30 years working on this in... Vin- oh, wow. Vincent Price was working on this film, uh, like as in he was working as voice actor in the film, and he died midway through. Uh, when oh. when they brought it out, uh, Disney released Aladdin like shortly before with very similar subject matter, so it just got buried. And it's an amazing work when you look at it, but it's got it's way too busy. Just like yeah, it's frenetic. It was creepy when it happened in um, Raggedy Ann and Andy. Um, but in The Thief and the Cobbler it's just incredibly surreal looking but yeah I get that with the kind of Disney toddler shows as well in that their motion always seems very slippery so yeah. slippery quality to it because it doesn't seem like any of the characters have any weight anyway we have been talking about animation for far too long now we have to actually talk about the actual theory um, Jake and the Neverland Pirates. Jake and the Neverland Pirates. So, yeah, the kids were a big fan of Jake and the Neverland Pirates, and I hated every second of it. One of the things that I especially hated about it was the pirate princess, uh, who was a character. Um, and, she, you see, she was a princess that was also a pirate that also had fairy magic. And I was like, pick one. Because some of these... Pick a lane. Yeah, pick a lane and then stay in it. Um, 
but it was just like um she had too many conflicting ideas going on there. I mean, pirates and princesses are directly opposed to each other because one of them is working without the law and the other one's working within the law. You know, so it doesn't make sense for anybody to be both. Yeah, and then she had um she had fairy magic as well. It was just like, uh, uh, well, you're just feckin' perfect, aren't you? It, like, you could be, theoretically, a princess pirate or a pirate princess, but it's the fairy one that's just too far. I mean, there there has been a, um, air quotes, pirate princess uh, before, um, and she was... Specific. Pirates of the Caribbean, wasn't there? Something... Well, like that. It was well. I mean, it was almost like a mocking nickname that you'd give to somebody, um, in that. Oh yeah, so you're just the princess of the pirates now, aren't you? But yeah, like they didn't have any actual like royals. None of the usual rules apply. You know, I'm a princess purist. So yes. <laughs> you know, this was a mocking thing. It was kind of like the way Link in the cartoon used to keep going. Well, excuse me, princess. Oh, that was that was the CD game the no it wasn't it was uh, the tv show was it in the tv show yeah i remember they had a terrible like, link game that he kept saying that in too and it was horrendous and that also had too many frames of animation in it that's why it looked really weird <laughs> yeah. um yeah. no but the tv series just like the most notable thing about it was that link every now and then just kept going hey excuse me, me princess <laughs> and it was always just like a you know, a piss take. You know, he was making fun of her for being better than him, um, which she was, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but it's just that kind of thing, you know, when, like, Jake and the Neverland Pirates did things with pirates that I do not approve of. And uh, mm-hmm. I will explain why. But our theory on this is, particularly, it's referring to Captain Hook in the series. Okay. So... It's based on the original animated version of Peter Pan, and in that, Hook is, I mean, he's a bit bumbly and clumsy, and, you know, his his plans never work out, but he was genuinely quite menacing. Yes. You know? He he had that hook, and it was sharp, because it had that little glint off of it. You could tell. He was ordering people to die. He was genuinely trying to kill people. Um, You know, he was a proper villain. Now, he is also in Jake and the Neverland Pirates as the, again, air quotes, villain of the piece. Except they have toned down almost all of his menace. Completely. Okay. Um, like the guy in the main film, he'd um, very distinct facial features. Um, you know, he, he looked like a villain. In Jake and the Neverland Pirates, he's been considerably softened. His hair looks kind of softer and rounder. His face looks softer and rounder. There is a ball on the top of his hook to stop it from being sharp. And not to mention, like, he had a full crew that were doing exactly what he told them to when he was in Peter Pan. In Jake and the Neverland Pirates, he only has three crew members. One of them is Smee. And Smee acts almost like, you know, his very patient nanny kind of thing. Like his parents. Yeah, Smee takes on a very parental role in this. And then there's also Sharky and Bones, who are just kind of, they're there. But what's really curious about this is that, you know, they're diametrically opposed to, um, whatchamacallit, the the guys, Jake and his his crew. Uh, They're actually on very friendly terms with Jake and his crew, even though they're supposed to be rivals. And now, Jake and his crew, there's, you know, there's the kid and then there's the girl because that's their team. We need one young kid and we need one girl and that's our pirate crew. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this, gotta get that diversity in. <laughs> this is how forgettable it this is how forgettable those characters are in that I looked them up not that long ago, but I can't remember their names off the top of my head. <laughs> now that's bad. And and yet I can remember like obscure Pokemon that only ever appeared in one episode of the anime. Um, and if you ask me almost anything about Game of Thrones, I can tell you exactly who it was and what they did. But That's terrifying. <laughs> now, this, this just slipped right out, out of my head. Do you know? Actually, do you know what's even worse than that? Is um, watching the likes of iClaudius. 
even though everybody is named like this is Claudius, this is Claudia, this is Julius, this is Julia, I, I know each and every one of them, what they did and why they did it. But the names of Jake and the Neverland Pirates. No, they're, they're not saying. <laughs> they, they slipped straight out of my brain as if my brain had suddenly gone very, very smooth. Um, but who cares? They're they're not important. Uh, Hook is not the important, important to this theory. Yeah, the, the important people in this theory is Hook, Smee, Sharky, Bones, and Jake himself. Everybody else is just there. Now, Jake and his crew, they want to be pirates, and they are the heroes of our story. But here's the thing, um, Jake and the, the Jake and his crew, they're not proper pirates at all. They are dressed like pirates, but they don't do any actual pirating. And it gets yeah. particularly bad in li- like little messages that they give to their um, their audience. One of them says, "A good pirate never takes anything that doesn't belong to him." <laughs> Okay, so uh, the English word the English word pirate comes from the Latin term pura tevitia, pura tevitia, um, which comes from attempt and experience to attack. It's it's literally the point of pirate. That's why they call like stealing things piracy. <laughs> Completely. I, I mean, oh, I, I, because of, of, like, you know, if you're comparing it, I'm a better pirate than Jake is. You know, because <laughs> downloading all those <laughs> those songs off the internet in my day. Back in the day of like, what was that, LimeWire? Yeah, <laughs> LimeWire and Napster. Uh. And Napster, of course. Um. Listen, the average regular law-obeying person is a better pirate than Jake. Um, but that's the thing. These are not proper pirates. What they're doing is, at best, they are playing at pirates. Yeah. But then so is Hook, because he is doing roughly the same thing. And it seems like it's got a very strange energy. Um, even stuff like the islands that they get to, they're never really in any kind of danger. The crocodiles that they encounter. And Hook, of course, has this deadly fear of crocodiles because he got his hands swallowed by one. And, of course, the the crocodile swallowed an alarm clock as well. That's his true enemy, really. You know, Peter Pan is just kind of there, but the crocodile is his true enemy. Um, But the crocodiles in this season, they don't even have sharp teeth. There's nothing menacing about them. They've got this big smile on their faces. They are not real crocodiles. They're, they're like fake. <laughs> they're a little, yeah. They are a little bit like you know. They almost strike you as being people in crocodile costumes. Oh no, we're not going down this road again. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, okay, but it's almost like they've been specially bred to be completely and utterly harmless. And no. this, this goes along with as well every one of Hook's kind of adventures. You know, sometimes he'll get conked on the head by something, sometimes he'll fall into something, and he'll get a couple of scrapes and everything. But he never really attempts to do anything that bad. And when Jake and his crew see him, they're kind of like, oh no, it's Captain Hook, he's going to get to the treasure before us. He never does, but they're just kind of like, they're never in fear of him. And they're on really friendly terms with Smee, Sharky, and Bones, which is very curious. You know, every Cause, t- like if you take if you take original Peter Pan and that when Hook was a proper villain, he was, oh no, Captain Hook is going to kill us. Yeah, it was very threatening. He's gonna make Wendy walk the plank, and she's gonna drown because she has her hands tied behind her back. You know, obviously. And cold seawater. Yeah, exactly, and you know, crocodile infested as well, apparently. Um, but yeah, like. They encounter each other all the time. Sometimes, you know, Jake will have, like, competitions against um, against Captain Hook, and occasionally you will see Smee holding up a little flag with Jake's face on it. <laughs> That's adorable. It is adorable, but then when they, like, when they encounter each other in the field, they're just like, Sharky, Bones, what are you doing here? And they're like, oh, we're here with the captain. What are you guys doing here? You're looking well, Jake. Have you been working out? How far have you gotten so far? Kind of thing. It, 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 it's, the, it's the most benign thing, but I think the fact that it is benign, that's the point. 
here's the theory. Mm-hmm. Hook endured an awful lot of head trauma when he was on his ship. Okay. And the fact that, you know, Neverland is a magical realm where people don't necessarily grow up or some in some ways, you know, it mm-hmm. almost strikes me sometimes as being almost like a care facility. So I think what happened oh. is due to head trauma and possibly the results of PTSD, uh, Hook has re- reverted back to a childlike state and therefore is no longer a danger to anyone. Smee feels responsible for him and has taken him to a part of Neverland where everything is safe and toned down because Hook is still under the impression that he's a pirate and he still wants to do pirate things and it's up to Smee to enable this. But he wants to do it in as safe an atmosphere as possible. So this is almost like a nursing home for very, very ill pirates. Uh, Sharky and Bones are there because they are carers. Uh, as in they've been brought in outside and they're just kind of playing along because it's good for the captain's mental health. They're not proper pirates. They're actually just there for amusement because they always end the episodes with a song. You know? So, so spoilers, is it a little bit like um, Shutter Island? A little bit, but not scary. So, yeah, it's a little bit like that, where they're, you know, you've got a delusion, but they're going to cuddle your delusion because it's better for you than the alternative, which is casting you out onto the sea where you will probably die very, very quickly because you are not mentally equipped to do the same things anymore. And this is where I think that Jake and his crew comes in is they're not real pirates either. They have no interest in being real pirates, but they think pirates are cool, so they want to play at being pirates. So they're doing the same in a very relaxed, very safe atmosphere. And that's why they're up against Hook. Hook still wants to play the villain. But but he's a safe villain for them to go up against because they are children. So they're never in any danger and he's never in any danger from them. And everything is just kind of nice and soft and happy. It's all of the pirates with none of the risk. Like it's almost like he's cosplaying pirate. Yeah, a, a little bit, you know. It's, it's like, but not actually like <laughs> doing anything that would be dangerous or illegal. Yeah, completely. But it's like when you know when you're talking to somebody who's got some some form of dementia or Alzheimer's, and they don't know who you are, but they think that you're somebody else. Um, a lot of the time, people will just say, "Yep, absolutely, that's me." Yeah, do you remember when we do this? Uh, because it's not going to distress them. It's going to kind of keep them um, happy and calm in the long run. If my memory serves me correct, I believe there is a type of retirement home that was set up over in the Netherlands, which was like a miniature town set up for Alzheimer's and dementia sufferers that they could still pretend to be in a town. But all of the workers were all like the care assistants and that, and they pretended to give over money so they'd still be able to think that they're doing their shopping and stuff. Um, I believe it was over in the Netherlands. Now, I don't quote me on just the Netherlands, but I was remember re- reading an article about it, and it was looked really cool. So they could go to the post office and send off letters and stuff, but it wasn't a real post office. It was all run by this care facility. It was very cool. Yeah. I mean, there's the whole thing of, you know, giving into somebody's delusion. Um, in some, with some conditions, it's almost better to kind of play along for the actual patient. And then in some cases, it's incredibly damaging. But it's all a case-by-case basis. But I think, like, Hook, all he wanted to do was keep being a pirate. But he wasn't able to actually be the pirate that he was before because of the things that happened to him. So I think Neverland itself set up this system for him so that he could still be a pirate, but he was never in any danger, and put some people on that island to look after him as well. Um, Now, I remember it was your husband that actually said this to me, is that in most pirate Peter Pan adaptations, uh, the person playing Hook is played by the actor who also plays Wendy's father. So, yeah, so there's that aspect of it as well, is that, um, you know, it's almost like a projection of the men in her life and her relationships with them um, as she kind of blossoms into womanhood. 
I don't know. There's there's a lot of think pieces written about that, but um, I'm not going to get into that. But he did say to me that what's kind of like almost is it's like a child. Jake is like a child playing with his grandfather, and his grandfather Aww. his grandfather is taking on the villain role because you know you know when you play with you know your granddad or your dad when you're really small and he's like he's the big bad wolf and you're the child who's hiding and you know. He comes after you and growls at you and then you scream. You're you're never like terrified because obviously it's not a real wolf, but you know, yeah. because because he's your older male relative, then he wants to kind of take on the villain role because um it's fun and it's a nice bonding activity. And in that way it's kinda of like that is that, you know, Jake wants to play pirates because his granddad is playing pirates and yeah, it it looks like fun and he wants in on the fun. And it would give it a chance if he pretends to be the villain that Jake gets to be the hero then. Yeah, completely. I mean, like, it's like the kind of thing, you know, the way in cosplay, sometimes you like to dress up as one of the villains and then be extra menacing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's mostly just performative. Obviously, when you were a kid, you're like, I never want to be the bad guy. What? But then when you're grown up, you're like, yeah, the bad guys are always the best. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's very true. Although I was a very weird child. I always rooted for the Decepticons. <laughs> over the Autobots. It's just the Autobots... They had a cooler seemed... design. Yeah, they did. They had actual planes. Um, and the Autobots were really boring. I always thought. Anyway, but that's not understanding. I mean, if this was reverse, then I would insist that, you know, my uh, dementia-ridden grandfather would be the good pirate and I'd be the evil pirate coming after him. I'd probably terrify him. <laughs> but that's not here, there. I can now just picture you dressed up as an evil pirate chasing around the elderly. That is a a mental image. Do you want to hear something really funny? Okay, so one time um, I was asked to do a... I I was asked to do face painting at a birthday party at the last minute. And uh, they told me that it was a pirate-themed party. Oh, no. (laughs) I, 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 I wasn't home at the time, so I didn't really have access to a pirate outfit. So I just kind of cobbled together whatever I could find. So, like, I managed to find, like, a wig and boots and, uh, like, a scarf that had skulls on it and things like that. And I got a t-shirt and I did a skull print on it and everything. And then as soon as I turned up the door, uh, the mum, who I knew quite well, she just said to me, ooh, sexy pirate. Like, what? No. Oh, no. It's like, no, I'm meant to be a regular edition pirate, not sexy pirate. What? Oh, no. <laughs> Damn, my accidental hotness. Oh, it, it. <laughs> I think oh, it, I think it was the boots. I chose the boots because they looked piratey to me because they had all these um they they were lace up and they were really really high and they were very very piratey. But yeah, looking back, they were very sexy boots. So yeah, amazing. Oh yeah. Anyway, that that was my first and only attempt at being a pirate. I've never done it again. Yeah. <laughs> When I was in college, I had to dress up as a pirate because we were all taking part in this huge, uh, huge effort to try and have the world's long- largest congregation of pirates to do with the Waterford, uh, the Waterford tall ships. Oh yeah, and uh, it was very fun. Uh, we didn't get it now, unfortunately, Aww. but we had like a proper officiator from Guinness World Records come to count us and that. And, yeah, it was it was very fun. We got close, but huh. we didn't get uh, we didn't get the full thing, unfortunately. Maybe you'll get a chance to do it again. Just hoping. I mean, there's always opportunities to dress up as pirates if you're not a coward. <laughs> well, well, I mean, dress up as a pirate. <laughs> sure, I mean, we we know somebody who dresses like a pirate every day. Do we? Jamie. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Hi, Jamie. He, he, is, he is basically Steve the Pirate. He is, actually. Like, from Dodgeball, he is basically Steve the Pirate. Yeah. The only time he's not dressed like a pirate is when he's cosplaying. Because he's never cosplayed a pirate, as far as I know. <laughs> I think that's just, that's just who he is. He's born of the sea. Yeah, except when he's cosplaying, in which case he's born of the rock and the earth. Because he's an amazing dwarf cosplayer. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, move, moving on from uh, pirates. Um, our second theory of the day. Uh, 
It relates to a little show that I despise called Blaze and the Monster Machine. Are you familiar oh, with this at all? I have heard of it, but I must admit I've never seen it. I have seen more of Jake and the Neverland Pirates than I have of Blaze and the Monster Machine. I, at this very moment, I wish I was you because I wish I had never seen this show. It's just... It, oh, no. <laughs> it hurts me to watch. It really does. In fact, um, you know... Um, I think isn't there somebody in the room with you who had seen Blaze and Monster Machine? I believe so. Okay. So uh, we're currently um, I'm recording in my house, and my lovely housemate is beside me. Yeah. <laughs> she she says hi. <laughs> um. Well, if she hasn't seen Blaze and the Monster Machines, I know at the very least she's seen Paw Patrol. Yes. <laughs> um, which is an, another aspect of pain there, but yeah, so. To explain, uh, Blaze and the Monster Machines is very similar to kind of the Pixar film Cars, in a way. It's a TV show about sentient cars um, that are almost always racing against each other for some reason. Um, yeah, Danica Patrick is in it, actually, as one of the voice actors, which is really funny. Is, is uh, this the show that goes oddly and weirdly in depth into thermodynamics? Yes. It is trying to teach very small kids about science. Uh, so, like, one episode will be all about centrifugal force. So they're like, oh, Blaze has to go loop-de-loop, but he's going to use centrifugal force. And then he asks the kids <laughs> to count to ten. It's like, or, or we're going down this hill, and we're going to try and make this jump. But one of these curves is an S-curve, and the other one is a C-curve. Which one is going to let him make the jump? It's Neither, probably. <laughs> No, it's it's all about science. I I probably did learn some science while I was watching it, but if if I did, I have made a conscious effort to chase that science from my head, uh, just out of sheer spite. So what's your theory? So my theory is that this is after the apocalypse, and mm -hmm. all of the humans have been killed by the cars, because there are two humans in this series. Mm -hmm. and they're children and that's weird because first of all all of the cars except for blaze are capable of driving themselves they have okay. like they have steering wheels and they have um little like seats inside i haven't looked like super super close to them but it appears that they do have steering wheels and indoor seats and doors and things like that but they never so have they were anybody. built to hold humans, like they were built to hold humans, yes. And they're also built to need repair from time to time. Which doesn't quite correlate then with the fact that there are wild cars that are like bears and frogs and things like that. Like everything is a car. Absolutely everything. There's sheep cars. There's a dinosaur car that speaks, but there's also other dinosaur cars that don't. There's monkey cars. One of their friends is a tiger. Like, it's all like they've kind of been spliced with other creatures. Some of them may have been spliced with humans, and some of them may have been spliced with other animals. So they're all kind of um, like this mishmash of human and car capabilities. But mm -hmm. most of their actual human DNA has um, kind of shifted away. So they are sentient. They can speak, and they can lecture about science. But there's an issue with Blaze in that Blaze needs to have a driver. And he does. He has AJ, who is very, very chipper for a boy that does not seem to have parents or friends or siblings or anyone around. How does he have a driver's license if he's only a kid? Yeah, he's like, he's nine at the very most. But nobody is, nobody asks about his license. There is an episode where something happens to Blaze and he can't, like he's grounded he can't work properly so aj has to use his own body to go do the things that normally car would do um, oh god <laughs> i i think it's supposed to be kind of like uh, you know oh the human body's amazing uh, it can do loads of things and but it just came off as incredibly creepy it's like well blaze seems to have the ability to move some of the time without needing aj so why is aj there where it gets really creepy though is uh, with gabby who is the other child in this series. They're the only two humans you ever see. Gabby is a mechanic. She is, again, nine at the very most. 
She rides a motorcycle that is not sentient. Actually, no, it's not a motorcycle. It's a dirt bike. A doom buggy type thing. Uh-huh. Right? She's a mechanic. So she is there to repair cars when something happens to them. That is the only reason she's there. And the only reason you ever see her is when something has gone wrong with one of the one of the engines. It's kind of insane. It almost makes me think that Blaze has some sort of a disability and that AJ is just kind of a glorified mobility aid. Oh, that, oh that's bleak. Isn't it, Jill? Oh, dear. Yeah, and, and then Gabby is worse because she almost seems like she's been enslaved in order to fix the other machines. Because you have to imagine if the wild creatures ever break down, they're they either die or maybe she goes out and looks after them in the field because occasionally she has played vet with with the cars, but she's the only person around that actually knows how to fix the cars. So that's where they that's why they still have her around. They, Are the two kids related? No, no, they're um like AJ appears to be black and I think Gabby appears to be Hispanic of some description. Um. It's it's never delved into. They never explain where those kids came from, why they're there, where they go at night. They're slaves. That's really uncomfortable. Isn't it just? Yeah, they are they are slaves. And who are they talking to with all these science lessons as well? Like themselves. They're very lonely. There's no other humans about. No, it almost strikes me as the fact that you know when they're talking all these things about science is that they're almost like grooming new humans to take up the mantle you know because Gabby and AJ they're not going to stay kids forever when you're a kid you mostly kind of do as you're told even if you're a kid that has very high intelligence enough to let you work as a mechanic or a driver but you know, you know, they're not going to stay kids for very long. They are going to become adults and then they're going to start maybe thinking of escaping, in which case they're going to have to be executed and they'll have to be replaced by somebody else who can repair the cars. That's why I asked if they were related. I was just like, are they in charge of repopulating? That's another dimension that could get really horrifying really, really quickly. <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually don't want to think that hard about it. But you know what's really funny is it reminds... There was a theory that I saw um, that I wasn't able to like pick up for this because somebody else wrote it. Um, and I couldn't find the post again in order to credit the person that came up with this. But it was something about how in the Pixar film Cars, the eyes on the car are not where you'd expect them to be. Because most of the time... when. Yeah. When they're making sentient cars, they put the eyes where the lights are. But they're yeah. in the cars film, they're in the windshield. And it said the only reason that makes sense is almost like um, humans slowly evolved into cars and then on the inside, they actually still have the human skeleton, but the, the rest of the car is like an exoskeleton. They did a diagram and everything. It was horrifying. I actually remember seeing that. I believe it was on Tumblr it that was. somebody did it, and it was it was absolutely horrifying because if you look at like a turtle shell, the shell is like integrated in with their spine and their rib cage and things. So it was like that, but with a car. It was all of the no, just a nightmare fuel. Yeah, completely. It was it was very very creepy, and you know that's the problem with Tumblr is that. You know, when you've seen something on Tumblr, unless you reblogged it, then you, you're not going to find it again. And if you have reblogged it, it's buried underneath all the other things that you reblogged over the years. Um, you Badly, know, yes. I, I must have seen this theory like four years ago. And four years ago, I didn't think I was going to have this this podcast. So uh, for the person out there who did that diagram, we very much admire your theory. And we wish we could have credited you for it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's not how it works with Blaze and the Monster Machines. They are built like, you know, regular sentient cars. They have their eyes in the right position. But it's just very, very strange that AJ and Gabby are the only human characters you ever see, and they are 100% in service to the cars. They don't have their own interests. They never talk about their, their personal lives. You never see them eat. You don't see them sleep. You don't see them 
you know, obviously you don't see them going to the bathroom, but there's not even a hint that there's a bathroom for them to go to. Yeah, it's, it's hauntingly barren of human things. It really is. You only ever see them in the racetrack a lot of the time, or when they're be when they are driving the cars around, or when somebody is getting repaired. So there's no hint of you know. I mean, AJ probably lives inside Blaze, like uh, in the booth. <laughs> Yeah, like a little tiny hobo, and it's possible he was raised with this, so he doesn't know any difference. Like Mowgli raised with the wolves, <laughs> poor kid is raised with the cars. Yeah, you see, that's the thing there. I mean, this could also be that it's a kind of a children of the corn setup where as soon as <laughs> as soon as they're old, as soon as they're old enough to kind of give birth to the next generation of child slaves, they do that and then they get killed off. Oh, God. Like, you'd never see their parents. That is just so dark. Oh, my God. Oh, dearie me. Okay, well, if, oh. you, if you think that's dark, um, our, our next one is even darker than that, would you believe? Oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, yeah, so um, moving on from Blazing the Monster Machines, we have uh, something that was... You know, a TV show that happened a good bit earlier than that was also very educational. Trying to educate kids about exercise and nutrition. We're talking Lazy Town. Lazy Town. I've, I have seen a good bit of Lazy Town and it is surreal. It, it's fun, but surreal. I want to know what drug were taking when they decided that this was a good idea. Oh, no, they were all hopped up on sports candy. It was all sports candy. <laughs> Uh, okay, so this is this is another theory that originally I saw online, um, and once again could not find it for love nor money. I did my absolute best. I wish I could credit the person that I saw it from, but it's been a very long time since I last saw it. I'm not going to put in every single idea that they had because I don't like the idea that I was stealing theories from anyone. But but this is kind of this is the basic skeleton of this theory is that Lazy Town takes place after the apocalypse. So we've mm-hmm. had two two apocalypses now in the same theory in the same episode. So um what happens is when you look at the people and the buildings in Lazy Town, they all look very suspiciously melty. Like mm. the buildings have very odd curves to them. They all look kind of crooked kind of thing, you know? Um and the people also look very, very melty. There's a couple of human characters. There's, um, you know, there's Stephanie, the little girl. There is Robbie Rotten. And then there's Sporticus. Sporticus lives in a blimp above Lazy Town. So he doesn't actually live in Lazy Town. Um, and what's really funny about Sporticus is he's the most human looking of them, aside from Stephanie. Um, but he doesn't seem very human-like quality wise like even though he's come into conflict with Robbie Rotten a whole bunch of times he has no ill will to him and there was a point in time when he pulled Robbie Rotten into a building one time and just handed him a cup of hot chocolate to warm him up like he's actually on very good terms with Robbie Rotten when when Robbie's not trying to like mess things up but here in this theory it's possible that he's actually a robot and that, he, and that he was only ever instructed to, you know, run around and encourage the kids to eat their vegetables. That's his. That's basically his purpose. Because he never actively tries to stop Robbie from doing anything. He just kind of shows up there. He doesn't even react when Robbie kidnaps him a whole bunch of times. You know, in the we were we are number one video. Yeah. They briefly kidnap. Sporticus and he's just kind of like afterwards he's like ah I got kidnapped but it, it's okay um, <laughs> this is just another day exactly. does not compute so for the other residents of Town, you've got the mayor uh, Mayor Meanswell you've got Miss Busybody the secretary you've got um, Stingy the guy who's stingy uh, you've got the the fat kid and you've got the girl Trixie and then you've got the one who's addicted to playing video games now they all look very suspiciously rubbery yeah they do they look very uncanny 
Yeah. Now, after a nuclear apocalypse, one thing that you can expect to happen is people have rapid mutations. You know, especially if they've been exposed over a long period of time to these toxins. It's something they went into in the film Threads, actually, which is one of my favorite films of all time because it is so unbearably bleak that it is borderline unwatchable. Um, so, yeah. you know, it, it's one of my favorite Friday night films to watch. It's it's scarier than any horror film. Well, it's scarier than a lot of horror films. So, you know, I absolutely adore it. But when they were talking about kind of rapid mutations in people that, um, you know, it would cause people to prematurely age, um, you know, that they would develop uh, disfiguring tumors and things like that. It's like skin pustules and uh, rashes and Completely, it can yeah. change your eye color as well. Yeah, yeah. There was also a film called The Reflecting Skin that they talked about somebody being injured after a nuclear blast. Their skin becomes almost kind of glassy. Like it becomes, yeah, yeah it becomes kind of shiny. Now, the, these puppets are very rubbery, but they do have a bit of an odd sheen to them, all right. Now, the one difference in this town originally, aside from Sporticus living up in the sky, and it seems to be completely unaffected by this, Robbie Rotten living in a bunker. So Robbie Rotten... Yeah, he lives underground. He does. And he has been apparently affected by the radiation because he's got a very elongated chin. So he's had some slight mutation because of this. But that's because... He's he stays, Yeah, he, st he stays underground. Um, he's... But he is kind of unusual looking. But he is the most human looking out of all the residents. Then Stephanie shows up out of nowhere. And she says that she is the mayor's niece. But she, yeah. looks, she looks nothing like him. You know? Yeah. And she's just another kid. Who knows why she's there? But one of the big effects of her being there is that the kids are all kind of hanging out together. And trying to do stuff like, you know, making cakes or putting on plays or pretending to be pirates. Um, but the big thing is that Robbie is always trying to encourage them to not do these things. He's trying to encourage them to play their video games, lie on the sofa, watch TV, do all of these things. Basically, stay indoors. Out stay of, indoors. Out of the fallout <laughs> dust kind of thing. You know, there was, you know, we were talking about Protect and Survive, the uh, PSA about... Um, nuclear bombs dropping on England that they had lots of instructions but one of the things they said was you know prepare to be underneath your shelter for about two weeks and this is what you should do if somebody dies in the shelter in the meantime you have to immediately move them outside as soon as it's safe to do so kind of thing and I think that's behind a lot of Robbie's behavior towards them is that he's encouraging them to be lazy so that they don't go out and endanger themselves yeah, he's trying his best to protect them. Yeah, and, and that's very sweet. But then, of course, Sporticus is interfering because Sporticus, um, I mean, it could be a villainous intent, but it could also be that he's just genuinely well-meaning because he doesn't get that this is dangerous. You know? Yeah. And he, he, that's, uh, that's kind of his deal. Um, there was a kid actually in the original series They've mentioned him in some episodes, and I can't remember his name, but I think he was supposed to represent somebody who watches a lot of TV, because they all represent somebody, um, like Stingy represents somebody who's greedy about money and stuff, um, I can't remember what uh, Trixie is supposed to represent, there's the, the video game kid who plays a lot of video games, there's this one kid who was supposed to represent uh, playing, like sitting in and watching TV a lot, and... They mention him in one or two episodes, and they say, oh, well, he's, he's home, he's sick at the moment. We never see that kid. Yeah, that's suspicious. That, that is, kid definitely got the radiation poisoning. Yeah, that that is sinister. You know, and then there's pe people who are thinking, like, um, well, why doesn't Robbie bring them into his underground shelter to kind of help them and protect them? It's like, he doesn't want them down in his shelter. They're they're all really annoying. I mean, we've been we have been stuck indoors for how many days now? Like, Too many. Yeah, and, and our patience is starting to wear thin with the people in our house. 
Could you? <laughs> I I don't know if that's a universal thing, but I actually think it is. It's that uh, we're we're all going to get very an- annoyed and irritated with each other after a while. I think uh, as the coronavirus lockdown spreads out, people are just getting more and more insane. Like I've seen some stuff online of what people are doing because they're getting bored. It's absolutely just majestic. <laughs> yeah, I think the divorce rate is probably going to skyrocket after this. Apparently, on like the first 48 hours of the enforced lockdown in the UK, uh, there was like 6,000 applications for divorce. <laughs> oh, I, I shouldn't be laughing about that. That is like... I, I think that you really do see the worst of somebody when you're kind of trapped with them for days yeah. on end, <laughs> you know, and I'm a naturally very chill person, but even like, even I'm starting to kind of get very irritated. Um, but yeah, of course, Robbie doesn't want these people to come down and live in the bunker with him. You know, he wants his privacy at the best of times. He didn't even keep his clones around for very long, did he? No, <laughs> no, he didn't. Like, he wants the kids to live, but just not with him. Yeah, exactly. So he's trying to encourage them to stay in their own houses by being lazy. Because in this situation, being lazy is a good thing. Because you do, I mean, you think about, like, the people that we know that are play a lot of video games, don't go outside very much, and they've had to make no real adjustments to their lifestyle in order to cope with this virus. I feel very called out right now. I'm calling out myself as well. <laughs> okay, but no, like, it's, it's, you know, these are the people that are going to be able to sit it out, like, long term, whereas the people who are kind of, they need to go out for a run or go to the gym or do all these things that they normally do in their normal lives, they're having a really hard time coping because they don't know how to amuse themselves when they're home by themselves. Kind of thing. Where does Stephanie come into it then? Well, Stephanie... The theory, the original theory went that she was possibly sent in as a sleeper agent from whatever country <laughs> bombed Lazy Town. Is that she's she's the one who deals with Sporticus the most. She's like the bridge between Sporticus and the other kids. So, like, she's very wishy-washy because she'll start off with the kids and they're like, you know, oh, I don't want to do anything. I just want to stay in and eat sweets. And then she'll be, like, very, very similar but then when Sporticus arrives, she's the first one to go, come on, gang, we can go outside for a run, kind of thing. So she's, I think she's kind of a sleeper agent. She just gets activated by the sight of uh, Sporticus. Not even that. It's just that she's just kind of in there and going, okay, well, Sporticus is coming. Because, you know, the other kids might say, well, go to hell, Sporticus. I don't want to go for a run. I'm, I'm busy eating sweets and playing video games. Kind of thing. I mean, if if somebody marched into your house and said, "Come on, Zurica, let's go for a run," you'd tell them to feck off. <laughs> I really would. I would actually. I I don't run well. I kind of look vaguely like a hippopotamus trying to catch a ball. Um, whenever I run, it's not a good look. Listen, even if you were, <laughs> even if you were somebody that likes running and would love to get some fresh air somebody coming into your house and going hey gang let's go for a run it's just they're on they'd be so chipper it'd immediately get on your nerves so yeah yeah, i mean even with the kids on lockdown of like you know you know come on guys we need to go out and walk the dogs because we do have to walk the dogs and they're like no i want to stay here and play video games i was like no you have to leave now you'd Expect the kids to talk back, but that's where Stephanie is acting like the bridge. Is that she? Sporticus is right. We've been indoors for too long. Let's go. The voice of reason, coercive reason. Yeah, completely. I I don't think I don't think Sporticus is charismatic enough on his own to be able to convince these kids to do anything, especially because he lives in a blimp away from the rest of them. Like I think Stephanie does need to be there as that bridge to kind of convince the other kids to go along with what he's planning. And there is also the fact that even though she appears to be the mayor's niece, she looks nothing like him. She also has, like, what appears to be naturally pink hair, which uh, is suspicious. She's also not nearly as mutated as any of them. I know she's coming in from the outside, but the fact that she's so healthy and so normal-looking 
just says dodgy. Yeah. <laughs> She's up to something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I know it's um like Lazy Town is a good show and it had a really good message to give kids, but I have to pour scorn on it because that's what we do here at Crackpot Theories. Yeah. It's part of the fun. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, listen, I am, I'm, I'm going to end that um, episode now because I think we've rambled on for long enough and we had no audio cutouts or awkward silences this time, so I think we're slightly getting into the groove of, of remote recording. I don't know. Hopefully. Uh, listeners, I- if you feel that we are not coping very well with our indoor recording, um, as in our home recording setups, Please do let us know. We are doing our best, but we are always open to criticism. But be nice. <laughs> We're fragile. We're fragile at the moment. We are but, uh, a little bit. Now, the, the only advantage to this is we'll probably be able to record more often if we're doing it from home. Um, yes. The only problem is you are probably going to have to put up with listening to my dog howl or my cat shriek. Or occasionally listen to my father having full-blown conversations with both of them. <laughs> but we do very much appreciate everybody still listening, even when our audio isn't the best. And we hope that during this time of lockdown, if you have a listen to our podcast, that we hopefully have entertained you somewhat and helped you with any of the boredom. It's definitely helped us when we're bored to do these episodes so we thank you very much for tuning in <laughs> i think so <laughs> uh, and the jury is still out on there and i, I felt like <laughs> oh i felt slightly more pressed today but it might have nothing to do with the podcast maybe it's just that i am a naturally salty person and i at the moment <laughs> i am just marinating in the salt pressed like a panini <laughs> i'll stop i love a panini right now but i can't go to the shop <laughs> Oh. Okay. Uh, we are on Twitter, we are on Tumblr, we have an Instagram, we are on YouTube. You can check podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, Buzzsprout, and where all good podcasts are found. Yeah, we are if also wanna... now on TikTok. We are also now on TikTok, apparently. <laughs> I have yet to see it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, Sinead's been doing some animations for us over there if you want to check that out too. Uh, it's like just little snippets and stuff of our episodes that are particularly of the funny variety um so thank you so much guys for uh coming in once again this has been crackpot theories uh the truth is out there and it is significantly weirder and significantly stranger than you've ever ever thought stay safe guys and see you next time okay bye